Hello there and welcome to our podcast, Conversations in Noosa. My name is John Caruso. Living with fatigue can feel lonely and it can be isolating. Imagine dedicating your life to a sport that requires peak physical fitness and stamina while at the same time managing your tired muscles and mind. Pete Jacobs has been living with fatigue since he was a young teenager and in 2012 he was crowned Ironman World Champion in Hawaii. How did he do it? In this podcast, we'll follow Pete's journey from the northern beaches of Sydney to Noosa and discover what it took for Pete Jacobs to accomplish and conquer his biggest goal. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Yeah, I was born around Terry Hills, grew up there, and then I got into surf lifesaving down at Freshwater Beach pretty much, and then once I started to rent, moved down to Freshwater Beach and around that area until we decided to pull up stumps and move up to Noosa in around 2011, 2012. you remember what you wanted to do when you were at school? At first, I just wanted to make good money and be in banking like my dad. <laughs> you know, that was a set right. of goal yeah. of, yep, yeah, make money and uh, do what dad's doing. And then throughout school, I was doing quite well naturally. Then I started to get a little bit of fatigue in around year 10. And I went from naturally being able to just do maths and English very well to struggling to focus and and do anything really so the last couple of years at school had zero concentration I couldn't motivate myself to do any homework how or old were you 15 home. yeah about 15 16 yeah. how does that strike I mean what what, what does well, that come from it's very it's hard to pinpoint but basically the the, the thing that I feel felt the most was that I would get in for a swim squad some mornings and just have zero ability to get my heart rate up or to push my muscles hard so that was really where I noticed the change and something's not right. And I just, no matter what, it wouldn't matter if I was getting chased by a shark in the water, I couldn't activate my body and mind enough to, to get my heart rate up at all. So that was a bit frustrating. Started seeing, you know, practitioners way back then, started getting all sorts of tests and started spending a lot of money back then in, uh, in high school and to no avail other yeah. than, oh, you just shouldn't do as much as you're doing. And, you should take it easy. And I was already doing less than other kids. Yeah. So that doesn't work telling a teenager to do less than what you're doing when you're already doing so much less. So this know. struck early on. Was, was there like a history in the family? Uh, no, but now and I've learned so much over the years um, and – since I sort of developed a bit worse, um, my mum's had polymyalgia for about the last seven years, which is like a fibromyalgia, which is on um, pregnazone and a bunch of other drugs uh, to try and manage her same similar symptoms to me, fatigue, aches, pains, exhaustion. Um, and then obviously, you know, with that comes emotional, you know, hardships and things like that as well. It's, it's up and down. You can feel great. And then you just sort of may do a little bit too much that you don't even realise you were doing and a little bit too much exercise or a bit of bad food because then food becomes more reactive because your body's just got this autoimmune response anyway. Um, so I was getting similar sort of things. So, you know, I've, I've learned a lot over my journey, but now I'm starting to come out of it. And it's funny, I'm coming out of it through the most simple the simple ways that I've done in the last, you know, 20 years. As a triathlete, is it something that kind of strikes, like periodically strikes you or is it something that, that's with you all the time and then it's it's a like how does it affect you? Yeah, uh, so I started out of school. I went to landscaping, did my apprenticeship for four years and I felt all right through that. But come a couple of race days, I would just feel flat and want to go back to bed. 
And so I still decided though in that time that I think I can be the best in the world at this sport. That's what I want to do when the apprenticeship finishes. So I then went overseas, trained hard and again went to race day in the world champs and just was fatigued and flat. And then it happened to hang around for, felt like six months back then. And then I got better again, trained hard, did well in a race. And then, um, you know, it would just be this roller coaster. Right. Of, so it was like a wave. Yeah. Thing that really so if I, if I rested and because I couldn't do anything, I literally couldn't get myself out to go for a bike ride. Or if I did, I'd almost be in tears five minutes down the road because that feeling of exhaustion was so overwhelming. Um, so I didn't do a lot when I was tired. So my body did get a rest and then I'd go again. But over time, as you get older, things get worse. And it went from pretty much for the next several years, it was, you know, a day or a week and I'd manage it and it was fine. And I, and I learned to not worry about ego and not worry about missing a session and take it easy. And I was still progressing in the sport. Um, to after, yeah, after winning Hawaii in 2012, it became months and that roller coaster of months of feeling fatigued. And then I'd come back and I'd feel good. And then it had just hit me again. And so... Poor, poor race results because it would mostly affect racing because I'd want to, you know, push to that next level. And my nervous system just said, no, we're not doing that. We're, yeah. we're exhausted. Whereas I could get through training okay to a point. So that's when um, I struggled up and down for the next sort of five years before last year. I just at the end of last year had another couple of bad results. My health was improving. I've been working with some good practitioners the last year to get improvements, but we hadn't really found the source of it all so a couple of good improvements in training but a poor race result at the end of last year you know then i had to say okay well all right i've got to just stop all training stop yeah. all focus on any fitness any racing and well, wait for, for and people listening till- to this podcast pete they probably think okay uh, uh, you, you've got this thing that you, you discover when you're you know 15 years of age you've gone into being uh, a triathlete Maybe you should consider a different field. So, so what is it that drives you in that particular field, knowing that you have to deal with the kind of challenges that you deal with uh, regularly? Um, well, a big part of it is that when I've got the fatigue, I can't do anything anyway. Like my brain doesn't work either. So I'm kind of lucky that I went into a field of athletic sport and I had some natural talent that I was able to get through that well without having to train as much as the others. I could train less and still do well. But if I'd been in an academic type job, even if I hadn't been doing the exercise, I probably would have been able to manage it better because obviously that's quite a stress, the the long miles and hours and high intensity that I'd been doing. But I still would have been struggling to focus and concentrate on tasks and motivate myself and do any of that sort of thing on my own anyway. So it was lucky that I could just switch my brain off because there's a point where my brain will be really fatigued, but my body will still be hanging in there. So I'll be able to get out there and do some training, but my brain is just not there at all. So there's a there was you know many times where I really just trained. Um, I was out there riding or running or very very easily, like hardly any heart rate, very low wattage on the bike, but I could still just get out there and do four hours super easy. Sometimes on the wind trainer, watching movies just to totally switch off, but I'd be able to get through it. And then the next day I might feel great again. And that's how it was around 2012. I just sort of, I'd learned to manage it. Yeah. 
Let's talk more about that managing um, the, the, the fatigue. And you talked about the practitioners that came into play only in the last couple of years. Mm. Is it dietary? Tell me some of the, the, the kind of programs you got in place. Yeah, the last year and a bit, it's been a very holistic approach. So I started working with this guy in America, Phil Maffetone, who's been writing health and performance books for 30 or 40 years. Um, and he helped Mark Allen win six world titles in Hawaii back in the day in the 80s. Um, and so he's got a very holistic approach. But when you're working with someone overseas and just chatting on Skype every few months and their way of treating is to look at how you move, to treat you structurally, to see what little nuances are showing up structurally. So we couldn't get to the bottom of it. But diet was a huge thing. Basically cut out all processed foods, started eating lower carbohydrate foods because my my blood sugars were very unbalanced as well. So I had carbohydrate sensitivity. Um, so I went almost ketogenic diet. And Can you then explain what that is? Ketogenic is... The ketogenic in the body is that you're able to burn fat for energy, so it turns into ketones. And the phrase ketogenic diet refers to a diet that would be under about under about 50 grams of carbs a day, down to 20, down to almost none. Well, you can't have none, but or very very small amount. So, but in terms of how the body works, it's you can't put it in one category or the other. You're always burning sugars, and you're always burning ketones if you're fat burning has been established so that was the point to get my body off burning sugars predominantly and onto burning fat predominantly so that also involved the way that i trained so then suddenly all my training had to be aerobic so he's called it math maximum aerobic function 180 minus your age and that is your aerobic capacity the best spot for you to train at over that you're going to start burning a lot more sugars that changes your muscles structure that changes your whole metabolism in your body and then that changes what the metabolism in, in your body is doing 24 7. so if you always do maximum sprint efforts and always just burning lactic acid and that's a sugar and more sugars then the rest of the day that's what your body's going to want to use so it's not the healthiest way to be so changed everything over to burning fat and less sugars um and well, not everything to fat, still burning sugars all the time. Could you give us but, like a, a typical kind of the meals or snacks that you have across a day? Like um, a- yeah, sure. So what this morning, I had a, a herbal tea with a bit of MCT oil, which is medium chain triglycerides, um, which is a medium chain fat. So that's absorbed in the body very fast. So that helps produce a ketone as an energy very quickly. I had some homemade chocolate, which has zero sugar. So it's just cacao butter melted with raw cacao powder, ground up nuts and dehydrated strawberries. So it's zero sugar except for the tiny bit that's in the strawberries. So I had a few of them, uh, a couple of tiny pieces of that. And then I went for a run um, and then I got back and then I had leftover slow-cooked lamb shanks. So heaps of fat comes out of all the lamb shank bones and the marrow and the fat that's there. Um, so, you know, obviously grass-fed organic lamb shanks with a few a few veggies in there and some extra avocado and a um, little bit of cabbage on top. But, you know, that's that's what I would eat then for lunch and lunch might be eggs and a little bit of salad and dinner pretty much the same, lots of salad and things. So just it's very simple. It's just zero processed food. If you cut out food that's processed suddenly you will start eating less carbohydrates and more you're talking um, to an fats. italian very hard to cut out that salami <laughs> and, you know, whatever it is yeah. the banana and all that other and I, know it's, fruits, I know it's not good for you that's yeah. <laughs> and even fruits need to be limited if you've got carbohydrate sensitivities if you're starting to have signs of that your your blood sugars are too high too often yeah you know you need to cut back on the fruits as well and i only have berries really because 
A, they're, they're the lowest in sugar and they're most antioxidant beneficial ones as well. So it's, it's pretty simple once you make the habit changes. And I understand that making those habit changes are very, very difficult. Well, well it is when you're in a relationship and you've got a wife. So it, it, how does that work with a partner? Whenever yeah, Jay- you're on a diet, diet kind of regime, or does it work in your household? It does, I guess, because, I don't know, maybe I'm at home a bit more, so I'm doing a bit more of the cooking at the moment. Um, Jamie definitely snacks on things that I would never snack on. But it's there, but I just draw the line in the sand. And for me, I have to have that. If I don't have that, um, my subconscious, if I have a little bit of something that I know isn't good for me, like if it's something's processed, suddenly my my the floodgates open and my brain drops that wall and says, oh, well, I wouldn't have this if it were bad for me, so it must be good for me. So then I'll have more and more and more. And then, of course, your taste buds change very quickly and then you want more sugar an hour later. So for me, I just draw a line in the sand and for th- that's the only way for, for me to be. And I think that's the only way I think if you've got a partner and that other food is around. Yeah. Uh, for me anyway. Jamie's good at mo- moderating. Um, but I'm not because I'm very much. It's either good for me or it's bad for me. Um, that's pretty much where how I how I go with things. But having said that, I moderate my berries and and things like that. But you know, I, yeah. I've, I'm in good habits now, and I've learnt the knowledge behind why I'm doing it to make really informed choices all the time because I'm seeing the benefits in my health. Uh, was it the twenty world champion 2012? Yep. Yeah. How did that feel at that point in time? Can you recall that considering those, the, all these challenges and the fatigue challenges that, that you had since you were 15 years of age to win that championship in 2012? Yeah, I'd had the dream for 10 years um, and ups and downs. The year before I got second, so I went in for 365 days with the goal of just winning and everything. I put more effort into it. I focused more. I ticked more boxes. I visualized the race in training constantly. So race day was a really calm race for me. I made all the right decisions because I was calm and my anxieties were really low. Um, And so that's just, it just felt like dress rehearsal. It didn't feel like the big dance. The pressure. Yeah. Yeah. It was just going through the motions somewhat. So anyway, yeah, just um, had a comfortable, I was off the bike in second. The guy in front of me pulled out at halfway because he'd gone too hard. And from halfway into the run, I had a five minute lead. So I just had to keep moving forward, just not blow myself up. So I was kind of able to relax through it for the last half of the marathon, which is a brilliant feeling. Um, so I was able, wasn't, didn't have a lot of pressure in the race really, I guess. And yeah, just, it's like Christmas when you're six years old and yeah. you get the best gift ever. But that, but that night then, um, understanding that you'd won and then, but mentally it must be a great victory over like mind over matter in terms of, like I said, the fatigue that you'd experienced from the age of 15 to then actually becoming the world champion in this particular field. Yeah. Correct? I, I, felt, I felt that. Yeah. Um, but having a fatigue issue and anyone listening that's had any undiagnosed medical issue like fatigue or depression or something where you just don't feel right but they can't tell you what's wrong, um, then they'll understand that nobody believes you. <laughs> you know, it's very difficult. Even Jamie living with me would not really believe that it was a physical infliction all the time. Sometimes she'd just say, well, you just need a coach. You need someone to motivate you. You need to train with people. You need to do this, that, try this. And it's, yeah, only people that have lived it understand that um, it's you, you don't get recognised. 
So for me, it was a big personal victory, but yeah. it's not like a lot of people come up and like you, you're saying, like you think it would have been and gone, wow, you know, you, no, but you've had that yourself, problem. Yeah, for me, just, I'd felt it, absolutely. Yeah. But now I want to do it again because it's been five terrible years or six now. I didn't hardly get a result since winning. Like I said, it got worse over for months. and um, But then I'd sort of train well and I'd think I could do it again. Um, but now understanding everything that's going on and taking this year off, I'm not going to go back to it unless I can be better than I was before. And that's a that's going to be a task, you know. I'll be several years older than I was when I won. and But there's still plenty of years. Guys have won it into their 40s and I'm 36 now. So yeah. if my health gets better than it ever was, I've got a lot more knowledge than I had when I won. I've got more sort of support in doing for people like the practitioners that are supporting me I was just to a, discover what I should do. I was just going to ask you, is there like a support group where you talk to other people that have similar? Um, no, but my mum found support groups quite helpful yep. with her fatigue issues yep. um, and and a few books here and there that just, it is a support group for un, unknown diagnosis sort of thing. Like how do you deal with just feeling this down and fatigued? Um, and the support groups do talk about, you know, food and lifestyle and all of that. And that's just what I'm doing to correct my my issues. I'm trying to correct my nervous system response. So better lifestyle habits to, to have a more parasympathetic rest recovery nervous system response. Because yep. my sympathetic nervous system's like I'm being chased by a lion for the last 20 years. It's so ramped up. So just those little things that I'm doing, um, and you can find online lists for vagal tone exercises and, and things like that that I'm doing, just very simple things are making a huge difference to being able to tolerate foods, um, sleeping better, which means you're recovering better and yep. feel better the next day, um, and just generally hormone improvement. My blood sugars are more stable and they're, they're doing what they should be doing all the time now because of, you know, just these simple things that I've been doing for my system. Was the move to Noosa part of that recovery process? Um, it was, you know, Noosa is quite a hub for triathletes, you know, in America. But in terms of lifestyle, though. Yeah, uh, I needed, well, yeah, it's very difficult in the in the um, traffic and just to get good training in down in Sydney. Yeah. And I definitely needed some peers around me. And that's what I've probably moved here mostly for. Yeah. I did hear it was beautiful, but the thing that I knew definitely was that there was other triathletes up here that were other professional yeah. triathletes. Is it the biggest triathlon in Australia? Here, yeah, yeah, in the Southern Hemisphere, in Southern um, I think. And and just have a lot of triathletes live here. Yeah. Um, so professional triathletes. So that's where I was like, okay, it'd be great to have a, a peer support network and, and learn from them, have people that are doing what I'm doing. Because it's not just the fatigue that you go through. It's also, it's quite a big thing to do a sport professionally. Um, and it's great to be able to chat through some of those issues with other other professional sports people. Has it been difficult um, when you talk about doing something like what you're doing professionally and getting sponsors to, to stay on board considering? I don't, I didn't focus too much on that. Obviously, it's disappointing when, for everybody, when you don't have results after after winning a world champs. But the years leading into it were pretty good. I'd gone eighth, ninth, and then second. And so in the first, those three years, you know, that's when sponsors start to go, oh, I, I see potential and they come on board and they support you. So definitely had great support that year that I won, which really helped. Just uh, it feel, they feel like family when you get to know sponsors and you spend a bit of time with yeah. them and, and they're there documenting it, which is a huge, you know, it's, it's priceless to have people there documenting it. Um, and... Yeah, it's uh, just something that, um, 
yeah, I've lost all my sponsors. Like I have relationships with them still, but obviously no one's paying me now that I'm not racing. Yeah. Um, but luckily, even though I didn't have great results in other races, I did well in Hawaii those four years. And Hawaii is the one, the one race that is a hundred times more important than every other race. So that was what, you know, we're able to buy a house here in Noosa and, you know, be comfortable for a few years. And even though I wasn't making much prize money, you know, sponsors were there for a couple more years. So, yeah, we're able to live up here for a while and um, be comfortable. So what's the goal, Pete? A year off? And then what's the next step? Yeah, year off. Um, and then, well, this year, shortly in the next month, we'll launch Live Your Own Fit, which is a health and performance coaching business that Jamie's been putting a lot of time into while I was still competing last Great. year and we're ready to launch that. But if my health gets to the point where I'm confident, it's better than it's been since I was, you know, 10 years old maybe, it's been that long maybe, then I'll, I'd love to go back because of all the, all the things that I've learned, new tricks, how my body works, I'd think there's a lot more that I can get out of it. And I'm still driven as I was when I was a teenager to find the limits of my body and just push those limits a little bit more. I mean, the winning and the prize money, that's great. But it's just that that it's, I guess, what a scientist would have in research. They just want to find out what what's going on. And I've got that same thing with my body and the Ironman triathlon. I just want to know what I can get out of it. Tell me more about the... Live your own fit. Yeah. We want to teach people what, you know, what I've learned, you know, so that anyone that's wants to get more out of their body, more out of their life, or just get off the couch and get a bit healthier... All the things that I've learned, (laughs) all the things that I've learned over 20 years of meeting some amazing practitioners um, that have all added something in a different way that now I'm able to piece together. Now that I've got the big picture, I can see it all, the holistic, how everything connects and everything is connected. Um, I think I'm in a pretty good position now to be able to pass on some good knowledge and answer some good some good questions that people have. But it'll be like a six-week course and Jamie will obviously work with a lot of people. She's great working with people and making them feel that self-worth that they need to make the changes and change the habits because sometimes people just don't put health as a priority. They keep no. putting it off, even though it's very obvious some for some people what's wrong. Um, so sort of Jamie's great at working with people like that and I'm good at... I, maybe I'm better at the motivation side of things. You know, this is this is what your mind's doing and this is how it connects to your body and this is what you need to be doing. And, and do you have a mentor or like a life coach? I've had that, I've had a few mentors over the years, different ones. N- not just in the kind of triathlete a- arena, but someone that also, you know, just a life coach for you. Yeah, a few yeah. different people. And funny enough, um, I've had people that sponsored me when I was younger and they saw my potential. And those those are those kind of people that they had their own business and they sponsored me out of their own pocket. You know, maybe it was a little tax write-off, but they still paid me money just for no benefit. Oh, they weren't going to benefit from having their logo on my jersey, even though I had it there. But they just loved being connected, and and they were my. They've been my mentors because they've been very successful in business. They're, I guess, you know, altruistic and those those sort of people that are very smart. And then there's been a triathlon coach as well that I never employed to have as a coach to write my sessions i've always been self-coached but he would mentor me so he helps set up like a five-year plan to win we'll just go this position that position that position and then we'll win it and he would send me analogies of you know you are the race horse and this is how it is you are the line and things that when you're in that because i would train on my own and so yeah. it was very much about mental strength and 
using self-motivation and self-awareness and mindset to well, well, control. we're talking about those things like, you know, the mental awareness and stuff. Are you spiritual at all? No, I'm not spiritual at all. Um, I'm, But I've, when I look back at how much time I spent being self-aware while I was training in those hours of training, you know, six-hour bike rides on my own just with music, wow. you know, two-and-a-half-hour runs, um, where you're, you're in the zone, where you're this, the connection between mind and body and you're well, so heard, aware. Well, I've heard this. I'm no, no, no athlete. I'm yeah. just saying, you know, where you elevate to a di- another another place mm. when you've got those endorphins pumping through your body. Yeah. It, it's. Tell it's, me about that, what that feels it, I think, like. I don't that. know what it is. I don't know what's happening, but the two, your two <laughs> nervous systems are combining. You've got the the your, your sympathetics maybe ramping up a bit with the exercise and the adrenaline and the ego starting to say, wow, you're going really quick today. This feels great. But then you've also got that parasympathetic, just re- trying to relax and just do emotion over and over again as efficiently as you possibly can and then make little tweaks. Oh, what if we pull my heel a little bit that way? What if I pull my leg through a little bit stronger? What if I relax my shoulders a bit more? So this constant self-awareness I found was more than enough that when race day came, I was able to basically sort of think of nothing and wipe all those fears, doubts out of my mind. Um, put the heat out of my mind, which I practiced, obviously, here in Noosa. It's quite warm, you know, in September in the month before the race. Um, so just mindset practice was enough for me to feel spiritual, I guess. Um, I'd love to get into it a little bit, but at the moment I haven't done it solely as a meditation thing. I'm doing some breathing exercises. I'm jumping in our cold, unheated pool at the moment and I'll go underwater and I'll let my breath out. And so I'm doing practices that I'm, I'm I'm feeling the physical connection with my mind, a lot like when I was training, but in much more of a recovery mode at the moment rather than getting out there and trying to elevate myself physically. I'm trying to calm myself down more and have a bit of a mind calmness as well at the same yeah. time. Awesome. Pete, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing some of your stories and hopefully it connects and relates to other people who might be going through the, the same kind of deal as you. So thanks so much. Yeah, thank you very much. There you go. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. If you did, feel free to share it on your social media channels with family and friends. And if you uh, listen to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher or Wooshka, feel free to rate and review the podcast. Remember, there are two fresh conversations in Noosa every week, every Monday and Thursday on our In Noosa magazine website, innoosamagazine.com.au forward slash conversations. Until next time, take care.